three, two, Hey, everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, and always we provide great content, but with me, as always, is my good friend Joe Bitts, a retired combat Marine for being wounded in Af Iraq. Surprisingly, he didn't walk where he was going and stepped on something he probably shouldn't have stepped on. But Joe's doing pretty good. So we get what we do. He got some good contact, and he keeps me in check on a lot of stuff. So how's it going, Joe? I'm doing great, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It was just another day at the salt mines at work. So, I mean, then I did my TikTok video. So that went good. We were talking about um, Biden discussing crime in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so before before we get into crime, I mean, which is a, definitely a, a popular. So Susan Sarandon, did you see what she said? She tweeted something about, let me see how she said something this, about. This is what fascism looks like. And it's, yeah. it was the police officers in New York City honoring a fallen officer. And she kind of like, I don't think she understood what she was actually doing or saying. No, I think she did. I really do think she did because they use fascism and Nazism, so it just flows off their lips. And they have no concept of what it, what really happened. Like they called Donald Trump a fascist. Republicans are fascists and Nazis. It's just, it's, it's very inflammatory words. And I think she knew exactly what she was saying. She should have just shut her mouth. She lives in a freaking world that is beyond most Americans, shut her mouth. And I guarantee it, she probably has security guards around her home where the peasants and the servant class don't. Yeah, We rely on the police for our safety. These people rely on private security who are armed and they always want to take our guns, but they have guns protecting them. I think we should be like Nazis. Actually, I think that was Mike in the background. He should just jump on too if he wants to put it, put some stuff in. Podcast, this live. Yeah, he's yeah, podcasting. He, you know, he's podcasting. He's. You, you know what? I, I I see something here. I can send him the Zoom link, or or you can send him the Zoom link, and he can hop on Zoom on the you know, and we can kind of do this. No, I'm, I get, I get, I get too nasty and sarcastic. I'm working on one. Well, th that's what Mike, Julia. Mike, that is why we have an editor here. <laughs> but I suggest that CNN not do live uh, television anymore. It should be, uh, it should be pre-recorded. So when they say anything stupid, they can edit it out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> But that's but all. That, that, that's all. That's the whole. That's that's the whole show, Mike. You know, when it comes to CNN. But like, you know, going back to crime, John. You know, there are still. I mean, a lot of people kind of coming into actually finally realizing what's going on in the in, in the nation in general. I don't really think Florida kind of plays around and uh, is loosey goosey with like the way they're conducting uh, their enforcement of the law. But we have New York, San Francisco has been run amok. <coughs> you know, there's been, they were talking about bail reform and stuff like that. So it seems well, like. Nothing they, 
but it's not, Joe, it's not that they talk about bail reform. They passed bail reform in New York State, I think it's about two years ago, I think it's in 2017, and they ended cash bail. Mm-hmm. So people get arrested and they just get released. An example, there was a juvenile, a 16-year-old kid shot at a police officer. They arrested him and they released him. Yeah. Now, San, now California, they passed um, Prop 40, let's see, was it Prop 47 in 2014 that downgraded what constitutes a felony. It used to be anything over $450 was a felony. Now it's been moved up to, I think it was 975. So you have, and they're not charging people with crimes. That's why people have just, police arrest them and then they just release them. So when does it come to a point where that business and mostly the big box businesses, because they're the ones that kind of have all the stuff, the small business owners or like the convenience store owners or like mom and pop shops, I think they're a little bit more, tighter on their security like i i was watching a tiktok where there was a guy he just walked into like a lowe's and as he was our home depot and as he was walking out he had a whole bunch of stuff and guys like put that back don't get don't leave don't leave he know and he's there's nothing he could do why have corporations put a certain onus on not touching or not protecting your stuff i don't know see that i don't know but in new york city i was watching something by charlie gasparino from fox news and he mentioned there's a business round table made up of all the hedge funds and the financial institution because a lot of their employees are afraid to come into the city because they got to travel on the subway and they're afraid of their safety well they were very harsh on the current mayor, which is Eric Adams, but also definitely Mayor de Blasio. But then they changed their tune and said, well, we need to work with the DA. We got to be part of this. He's got to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why did you kowtow to this woke policy? This isn't changing. These DAs are not district attorneys. They're more public defenders. If you want to defend the, the, the criminal element, that's fine. Go to the public defender's office. Don't run the city because you're not, all you do is increase crime. You're not mitigating it. And who, who is it affected by it? Like the DA in New York City, we got to end the, the inequality. And okay, then let's, if you want to go by that route, and I mentioned this on my TikTok video that I posted today, Look at the educational inequality. Why do 70% of Black and Hispanic students in New York City are deficient at grade level? Mm -hmm. But yet you've spent millions and millions of dollars into the school system. Yeah. Explain to me that one. And, you know, and it's what you think would be easily to explain, but it's not because it just seems like the liberals kind of make it a little bit more complicated than I guess what it is, because it seemed like it it seemed like when we had like, okay, uh, maybe the way I'm thinking is Donald Trump was an outsider, whether you want to call him a Republican, you know, he was still, he was somebody kind of 
on the outside looking in. And the way he perceived it, he's like, okay, if that's a problem, this is what we're going to do to take care of it. Where politicians kind of do a a little bit differently. Now, where can we kind of step in and have that outsider kind of look at it and say, okay, you want to fix crime? This is how you do it. Well, the thing is, you make a good point. Donald Trump took, we always were told we need a third party to challenge the two parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. Donald Trump came along, took over the Republican Party. Now, if you push off his rhetoric, forget the rhetoric of Donald Trump and just look at the policies, he wasn't ideologically driven. He wasn't this way. He just said, like you said, here's a problem, let's fix it. And he wasn't tied to the ideological nature of the Republican Party. We saw that on foreign policy. We saw that on domestic policy. He went against the norm on that. And that threatened people. That's why there was always this never Trump movement in the Republican Party. But what people need to realize President Trump was speaking for what the, I guess they call it the forgotten Americans. It's just like with jobs or manufacturing. It's just like when President Biden took office, his first official act was to end the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh Whose job was eliminated? Wasn't the tech, it wasn't the academics, and it wasn't the media. It was blue collar workers. Uh And a year later, these people still don't have jobs. Where are those green jobs? Yeah. So this is what Trump fueled. People need to move the rhetoric aside and just focus on policy. So um, Joe Biden goes to New York and he just doubles down again on Democratic talking points. It's always eliminate the guns. That'll solve it. And that's like, No, what about these soft on crime policies by the DAs, by the Democrats? Remember with the George Floyd riots? Every Democrat was always defund the police. Even Joe Biden didn't say defund the police, but he gave an interview through a, um, to a progressive activist in July of 2000, was it two, I think it was two, 2020 or 2021, I can't remember. But anyway, he gave a, an interview and, he, and they were asking, so you believe in redistributing money away from the police? And he goes, yes, we can move money away from the police department. So in a way, that is defund the police. Yeah. And then you got to remember what the media seems to forget all of last, I mean, all of 2020, you had his then Senator um Kamala Harris, now as vice president, was directing people to donate to a bail fund to bail rioters out of the, the jails so they can go back on the street. Yeah. Even Joe, members of Joe Biden's campaign staff did the same thing. So how is that helping public safety? It's not. And then a lot of the crimes has the pandemic kind of maybe push these crimes off or had them teach true treat crime differently because of just because there's little to zero interaction. I mean, everybody's kind of went to zoom or 
you know, there has always been like a dis a distance. The courts that are over overloaded right now still haven't, you know, there's been a, tons of cases that have not been even close to being resolved because of it. No, I think they use COVID as an excuse for everything. If something goes wrong, blame it on COVID. If the job numbers aren't there, like even right now, tomorrow, I mean, this is Thursday, we're doing this podcast. Tomorrow, the jobs report comes out. and Everybody's thinking it's going to be a very dismal job report. So what do the Democrats do? They blame, oh, it's Omicron. To me, it's just an excuse for failed policy. And you can't, you can't escape it. Their failed policies have destroyed these cities. So, I mean, New York, if, it's all, if it was all about guns, how come Mayor Giuliani and Mayor Bloomberg in New York had one of the lowest crime rates, was one, it was the safest big city in America. Now, all of a sudden, de Blasio comes in he got rid of the um, that anti-undercover crime unit that took a lot of guns off the street. You were you could walk the streets and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Why is murder and violent crime spiking in New York after they got rid of all this? Yeah, and then look at the image of a police officer today. I never remembered these many police officers being shot at, being abused. And then you've got policies like in Seattle. They have a policy, I think, in Washington State, but even in Seattle, that police can't chase you unless they believe you committed a violent crime. Mm-hmm. So they're, they coddle the criminals and they hamstring the police. So what do you think is going to happen? So what's your answer? Okay, what can the federal government do in order to kind of reduce this? Well, a lot of this, there's not much the federal government can do. They can get the federal, they can get the, the Justice Department to send federal resources. They can do better, you know, more funding. But crime is a localized issue. Mm-hmm. The one thing that the president can do, he can put pressure on the governors of these states to start enacting tougher crime policy, but I don't see that happening. So there's really not, I mean, as much as he wants to say this, and even when Trump was president during the 2020, when all the riots were going on, he can send federal resources, but crime has always been a localized issue. If the local communities don't um, want to stop it, this is what you're going to have now. Another aspect the president can do, he can rally, use his bully pulpit and tell the people, you voted for these lawmakers in. They didn't just pop up overnight. Uh-huh. You elected these prosecutors. You elected the governor. You elected your state legislature. Yeah. You can unelect them come 2022 or whenever the next gubernatorial election. Look in California. Gavin Newsom is a... So is very anti-police, pro-criminal, but yet they elected him back in the recall. So you can blame everybody you want, but if you voted for these individuals, then you accept the responsibility of what comes after. Yeah. So would you think, you know, kind of shifting a little bit here, would you think something coming from John Hopkins 
hospital would kind of have some clout behind it or some some weight behind it if they saw something going on throughout the pandemic and made a recommendation or kind of made their evaluation on how they saw things? Do you think that would be worthy of kind of entertaining and listening to? It would be because John Hopkins is a very reputable institution when it comes to health. And when they came out a day or two ago about, they did a report and the person who was part of it said, we didn't follow the politics, we followed the data. And what they found is the pandemic lockdowns were is a huge mistake. Now I got it early in the pandemic. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how the, the infection rate was going to be. And the reason they closed the economy down was simply to give the hospitals a time to get situated and get the equipment they needed because they feared there was going to be a rush of patients coming into the hospital. But then after that, states kept the lockdown saying they were following the science when the science didn't back up their claim because Florida opened up within two weeks after the initial lockdown. And their infection rates were no different than California who had severe lockdown. And that's why John Hopkins Hospital said, in the next pandemic, do not do lockdowns. It has an irreputable harm to the people of your of your state or your your nation. So, and you know that kind of that made sense the whole time. That was something that everybody was pushing for the entire time, and then because of one person who's kind of attached to the president's hip all of them, he says one thing and then they're like, okay, that must be, it must be the gospel. Well, it is, but I mean, Dr. Fauci was all in, you know, this state just prevented millions from being infected and saved millions of lives. Well, the data doesn't back that up now. But Howard Kurtz, who does media matters on Fox News mentioned, this was barely covered by the mainstream media. Where are all these people saying we made a mistake? They're, they just distanced the, the media who covered it. They were railed against, you know, especially Georgia, when Georgia opened up early and Florida and um, Texas and other um, the upper Midwest states like North Dakota, Christine Nome's state. Other states did not do what California and New York did. And California and New York had far worse outcomes than Florida and Texas, even economically. California still has the highest unemployment rate in the nation, mm-hmm. where Florida is one of the lowest, or Texas is one of the lowest. I mean, they still, here's an example, they're still masked up indoors in California, except if you're the governor, the mayor Garcetti, the mayor of, of San Francisco, when you're at a um, the NFC championship, you don't need to wear a mask because you're the elite. Yeah. Did you hear about, did you hear about that one guy that says, Oh, when I take pictures, it's all cool. I hold my breath when I take pictures. You do what? Well, one of the guys that he was talking about, not why he doesn't wearing, why he wasn't wearing a mask, but he was taking pictures with other people. 
And he says, oh, well, it's real simple. When I take a picture with somebody, I don't breathe. That's Mayor Garcetti. That makes no sense. Yeah. It's just, but see, that's, that's the elites telling you to do something, but they do something totally different from themselves. Mm-hmm. But see, the data that, but see, I liked what the person who's, who um, was involved in the study and the report said, we didn't follow the politics. Because everybody's all about the science. They followed the data. And the data showed that lockdowns have an irreversible harm. And even the UN came out and said there was $17 trillion lost because students weren't in school. Now, I don't know how much that equates into the United States, but look at the United States. There are certain schools that are open, certain schools that are closed. You have up in Virginia, you have this debate on masks, must wear a mask. If you're going to come in, some school districts says you don't need to. Even Sweden is now, to- on, by February 9th, is totally opening up its, um, its country. They're ending mask mandates. You don't need to have a vaccine if you don't want to get one. Everything's going back to normal because everything is was proven wrong. Mm-hmm. But a uh- lot of this, and this is mere speculation on my part, it's just like the, on this one point, on the origins of the COVID, a lot of it, this, there was like a seven scientists, at least seven, stated that there was a plausibility that it came from a lab. Then when they had conversations with Dr. Fauci, they changed their tune. Why? What mm-hmm. did Dr. Fauci say to them? Were they threatened with peer review you were going to be shunned in your in the community one even scientist said that all this was revolved because if it was came out of a lab that took the onus off donald trump did politics play into that and why didn't dr fauci bring this up that other scientists believed it came from a lab, potentially came from a lab leak. He never told the president that. Or even this debate was happening. Then it came down to, oh, we didn't fund the Wuhan lab. Well, now we're finding out, yeah, you did fund it. So all this needs to be looked at. And it's, it's striking why the media is not covering this and why there are no hearings on Capitol Hill. Because remember last year, and this I duct taps into free speech and all that crap. Last year when that came up, they were ridiculed as conspiracy theorists and Facebook and the media put a blanket um, blackout on any plausibility of anybody looking at that that could possibly be the cause of the coronavirus. Now they're looking at, well, that may be a problem a possible outcome that it did originate at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to the media putting their thumb on information. And when we talk about free speech, put the information all out there, let the American people make their own decisions. Yeah. So in other news, <clears throat> Well, actually not news. So uh, actually, okay, maybe it is a little bit of news. 
But I was just trying to figure out, you know, just kind of thinking to myself is when did the news media sources like your Foxes, your CNNs, your MSNBCs, when did they just all of a sudden become political? When did they just start mostly focusing on politics and not actual news? Because we all know that there's more news going on throughout the country but they're just real they're just really closely monitoring what's going on in the white house or what you know what's going on outside the white house why do they need to bring in you know a press conference that ron DeSantis is having why aren't they looking at other things going on in the world or in the world or in the in the country but they don't seem to do that they just want to be like oh this is how going on in Washington. It just seems well, like the, the news has always been, I would say, very biased and very liberal for a number of years. Okay. Yeah. We all knew that. But when the age of Trump, when Trump got elected, because obviously Democrats didn't like Donald Trump, but there was also this element in the Republican Party, never Trumpers. They couldn't vote. They they had to vote for Hillary because we just couldn't see Donald Trump in the White House. So when he won in 2016, they had this belief there had to been some sinister motive for Donald Trump winning. No sane person would vote for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. But they didn't realize Trump tapped into the anger that people felt because they saw both Democrats and Republican administrations outsourced their jobs to China and Mexico and other countries. And Trump spoke to them. And that's like the Republican Party when I was a kid was always big business, the country club. Now the Republican Party belong if you don't have a high school, if you don't have a college degree, you're typically going to be a Republican. If you make less than a hundred thousand, you're typically going to be a Republican. Well the Democrats are now the party of the tech, academics, government, academia, the very, if you look at the billionaires, they're they're Democrats. Almost all your top billionaires are Democrats. And now you have the media is now activist journalists. They're no longer journalists. If you go by the Society of Professional Journalists Ethics Code, it says stand by the accuracy of your work. That's the number one thing. And then in the fourth paragraph, it talks about being impartial. The media is not impartial. Look how they treated Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Whether you think about his judicial acumen, that's one thing. But look what they did when they had that se- that sexual assault scandal. It's it was they did they didn't go by the accuracy they just jumped on every salacious scandal and they didn't they always said my sources well you got to protect your sources but you got to vet your sources it says that in that ethics code and then you also have to protect the the, the, the victim but you also must protect the, the person being accused before they've been formally charged yeah Kavanaugh was never formally charged but they made it sound like he was guilty because look how the coverage went on Kavanaugh compared to Tara Reid, who accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. Everybody's like, we got to follow due process. 
the Washington Post and we couldn't post the story because we couldn't verify it. Well, that's not what you did with Kavanaugh. You ran with it. Yeah. So, and that's where Americans start to go to other sources like a Joe Rogan or somewhere else because they're not getting the information from these activist journalists who have no pretense. Look how they treat Joe Biden in the press conference. Did anybody ask, hey, President Biden, you're going to spend three to five trillion dollars on your Build Back Better program. How does that solve the um, inflation? How does that solve the supply chain? Did anybody ask, hey, Mr. President, you're allowed 2.5 to 2.7 million illegal migrants enter the country. Uh And with it, all this illegal fentanyl has crossed the border that kills more people between the ages of 18 and 49 than COVID and many other diseases combined. Nobody asked that. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody, you know, anybody will. Well, look at today. We, they just reported at the Pentagon in the White House, they killed the um, ISIS leader in Syria in a raid. He blew himself up, killed you know, other people, but they took this guy out. Did anybody ask, okay, you did this. What is your strategy in Syria and Iraq? Mm-hmm. All we talked about, we killed this ISIS leader, but what's, that's a tactic. What's the strategy? You criticize Donald Trump. What's your strategy? What are we trying to accomplish in Syria and Iraq? Yeah. Nobody asked that question. So did you want to talk, bring up the Whoopi Goldberg issue? Well, I mean, we do. I guess we have a a little bit, a few more minutes to talk about that. Well, well, I did. Well, I mean, Spotify for one is, I guess, well, Joe Rogan, he's not really saying anything. They're saying that he's saying a lot of misinformation about COVID, but he's only interviewed two doctors that have a different opinion of what is actually going on. And it seems like, you know, nobody wants to step in and say, oh, Facebook can't be censoring or we can't do anything when it comes to Facebook about them censoring or kicking people off their platform because it falls under this rule. And the same thing with Twitter and the same thing with Instagram, but all of a sudden, Spotify, which is a platform, you're like, they're like, oh, the government needs to step in and do this. And the government's kind of like, okay, yeah, let's see what we can do. And it doesn't really uh, bode well because, you know, now the government's kind of stepping in, which is probably a bad idea, but also the fact that, you know, they had other chances to kind of reel in these big tech companies but they're only doing it because people are kind of uh it's a bigger outcry when it fits their narrative not well but uh, see the problem is define what is misinformation i mean you had a supreme court jurist sotomayor say there was hundred thousand children were um, hospitalized for COVID, that was, there was only like 3,000. That's misinformation. She wasn't pulled. Define misinformation. Yeah. And then do you really want the government to make this define that? That's the problem where these tech companies and the government needs to, to rule. What are they? Are you a platform? 
or are you, what's the term, a platform or, or you're a, a media outlet? If you're a media outlet, then you have certain responsibilities. But if you're a platform, all views must be heard, even the most reprehensible view that you may not agree with. Okay. So in going with that, they're pushing really hard to try to cancel Joe Rogan for what he said. Now you have the view and you have the Whoopi Goldberg situation where she was real adamant about saying this is not about race. Going to the point where she she didn't think it was about race because there was not, I guess, a color issue behind it, which I guess would deem itself racist on her part, just to say that. All it means is somebody who's ignorant of what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, free speech, but see, here's an example. There was... The, this is where uh, the former ACLU director or president, he supported all free speech. And he, he fought when neo-Nazis or Nazis, this I think was in the 70s, marched in Skokie, Illinois, which is a heavily Jewish community, which many people were affected or were survivors of the Holocaust. And he said they they're the most reprehensible people, but they have the right to protest. They have the right to demonstrate. But now the ACLU is saying, well, you need to meet our litmus test before we def- help defend you on free speech. And this guy was like, where is the ACLU? That's totally against what you stand for. Are we mm-hmm. ever stand for? So people may not like Joe Rogan. He may say things that are controversial, but let the American people make up their own minds. Yeah. Because once you start, what's the, the, the um, once you start limiting that, where do you stop? And Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar I always uh, mention from George Washington University, routinely criticizes people that say inflammatory things, but he said that's their right. They have a duty. They have a right to say that. You may not agree with it. They may be the most repugnant thing that they ever said. But why is it if conservative says something, you must be outlawed. We got to end it. But if a liberal said the same thing, it's just like with race. If a, a conservative said something about a minority, oh, he's rate we gotta and he's gotta get fired but if a, and liberals have said stuff about whites they're fine why is one standard all right but another standard is not no and that's where free speech if free speech isn't to protect popular speech it's to protect unpopular speech like for me or anybody else there's certain news programs i like to watch And there's certain programs I don't like to watch. Like I'm not a big fan of CNN or MSNBC because I think they're activist journalists, but I don't believe they should be banned or limited or curtailed. I just do the next best thing. I turn the channel. It seems like a lot of people on CNN are doing that actually. Yeah, they are. But I mean, that's where you need to go. If I don't like to listen to somebody, or read something, I don't believe it should be banned. I just don't read it. 
like if there's a movie that I don't like, like Michael Moore always had these kind of anti-American movies, they shouldn't ban it. I just don't watch it. Mm-hmm. And I go watch something that I want to watch. So, well, I'm pretty sure uh, Whoopi's kind of like the flavor of the month right now, and they'll be pulling something different. Should she, should she have gotten fired, or what they like to do is cancel, or is it just well, kind of... I mean, that's up to the news organizations, and that's up to any organization to see if you're going to fire somebody for inflammatory remarks, but she should be held accountable. I mean, just said, you know, the sheer statement just shows your ignorance. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta be, I mean, and that's the point is they throw Nazism and Hitler out so loosely that people, you equate your enemies to being a fascist without understanding the whole context of what that period was like. Mm-hmm. We're nowhere near that. Quit throwing that historical Germany, Hitler, fascism analogy out there. It just makes you look like a, an uneducated buffoon. And that's what it did for for Whoopi Goldberg. But it seems like others in the media were giving her, well, she made a mistake. She apologized. Well, why do you say that for Whoopi? But if a conservative said something similar, would they be given the same pass? Probably no. not. All right, John. So why don't you get a, let them know how they can get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us by going to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. Or you can go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check us out there. I've been doing pretty well on TikTok. So we got up to 2,900 followers looking for more. So keep checking us out. All right. And then I keep on looking out for. Our live stream probably up in a couple weeks or so, and we will talk to you guys soon. All right, take it easy. Keep listening to your Baldy Report.